Welcome, everyone, to Acme Podcast Incorporated. I'm your host, Kaiju Emperor, and I'm joined again by, I think, the person who's been on the show the most, other than, obviously, Laser, KB. It's because I keep breaking into the studio, honestly. You need to change your locks. Eh. You're the only one who knows how to pick them, as far as we know. As far as you know. As far as I know. But anyway, this episode we're going to be talking about uh, the final two seasons of Netflix's Carmen Sandiego. Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? I did. I am happy that they did do a new acapella version. Yeah. I liked that little interactive thing. It's impossible to talk about, but I did like that they did it there. Yeah, the having the cast sing the acapella version of Carmen Sandiego. Yeah. It's good. It's a fun time. I also think they snuck that theme... I was reading they snuck that theme into the episode of the Stradivarius. Huh. But Weird. I didn't hear it when it was happening. They I also mean, might I have had the, the, the theme to the other cartoon. Oh, right. The the a more operatic version of the Carmen Sandiego theme. Yeah. I mean, there were several remixes uh, of the theme and sort of like... Uh, that were just musical, like purely instrumental. Uh, even in the even this, this season, these two seasons, actually. Mm-hmm. There was like two of them that I can think of. But, uh, it is nice that we finally have come full circle and finally get to talk about the rest of this show, considering the first episode you ever came on, we talked about Carmen the first Sandiego two seasons. Carmen Sandiego and Kim Possible. Carmen Sandiego. Yeah. San Diego and Kim Possible. Yep. Both have, both times. Season one of Carmen, season one of Kim, so on and so forth. That was, God, two years ago? Uh, time's an illusion. I mean, it was before the panorama, so... God. It was, yeah. Because we were in the middle of... The, like, the podcast was like a few episodes in before the, the pandemic happened. Yeah. It, it was... A time. But anyway... Uh, before we get to that, as per usual, because you're the guest, KP, mm-hmm. what have you been up to? Um, well, I've had a lot of, uh, changes in my personal life. For example, my hair is blue now. Hmm. Um, I started dyeing it a couple months ago, um, and today God, I got you, it dyed a darker you, blue. You would be blue and how you would have blue hair and pronouns. I don't want to talk about the pronouns on the podcast. No, I was just making the joke about the the blue hair and the pronouns. That's it. Okay. That's it. That's just that's okay. just the joke. Laser There's no. Cut this little bit. Anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I have blue hair. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been actually trying to put more effort into my hair recently, so it's part of that process. Right. Um. The first time I did it, it took like four hours to bleach my hair. Mm. 
because my hair is really dark. Right. So it was four hours of bleaching, and then we got to dyeing my hair. Um, it was a lot. Thankfully, this time, because my hair was already mostly dyed and mostly bleached already and already a really light color, um, because they didn't have the right blue the first time I went, it did not... It only took, like, an hour. Right. Much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I also recently started playing Luigi's Mansion 3. Oh. Um, yeah, our internet went out <laughs> the other day uh, when I was trying to finish the season of the last season of the show for this podcast um as all the internet was out i stole my dad's copy of the game started playing it so far it was, it's everything i expected it to be which is not an insult Mm-hmm. just more of luigi's mansion both the original and dark moon yeah i only ever played one in dark moon never played the third one like, like I said, it's good. I th- think they incorporated all the new mechanics pretty well. Um, I do... There is this kind of weird... It's got this kind of weird feeling of, like... Progress isn't as segmented, I would say. Because, like, in Dark Moon, progress was like, here's the episode. You get to the beginning, the end of the episode, and then you're back at the hub. Mm-hmm. And Luigi's Mansion 1, it was like you get a room done with a portrait ghost, and that's kind of the thing. That's kind of part of your progress. Then you got the bigger chapters where, like, when you get a big boss ghost. Mm-hmm. But here, it there is a boss ghost for each floor, which I will say is a lot better than the, the bosses that were in Dark Moon. Um, yeah, I barely even remember the bosses from Dark Moon. They were, it's because they were all variants of the quote-unquote possessor ghost. Yeah, I liked the setting of Dark Moon more, but the boss battles were something that were definitely weaker compared to the original Luigi's Mansion. I would also say there were a lot of weird choices about ghosts and their designs that they did walk back. Like, for example, ghosts having pupils when they're nice? Hmm. It looks bad. It just looks bad. And so, like, with Polterpup, they were like, in this game, they were like, he's still nice, but we took away ha- putting pupils in his eyes when he's nice, because, like, it looks bad. Yeah, it ruins the design. Um, they also weirdly kind of made the ghost designs a middle ground between, like, the more humanoid designs of the first game and mm. the, like, really stylized designs of Dark Moon. Um, hmm. which is neat. The setting is nice. I do have to wonder why Luigi keeps, why Luigi and Mario keep accepting invitations to mysterious uh, locations. I mean, I don't know why does Princess Peach keep getting captured? Okay, no, I, there is a difference between willingly walking into the trap that you know is a trap, and a man breaking into your house and taking you. There's a difference. They've been walking willingly into traps since fucking Sunshine. It's fine. Was it a trap in Sunshine? As far as I remember, they were just going on vacation. They were invited to the island, and it was a trap. If I recall correctly. It has been a long time since I last played Sunshine, though. 
to be fair. Because I just remember they were like, oh, we're going to go on vacation. They get there and then find out that uh, Bowser yeah. Jr. has been impersonating Mario. It yeah. wasn't like some weird planned trap, as far as I remember. Question. The most important question about any Luigi game. Mm-hmm. Is there a Mario button? Yes, the D-pad. Good. Good. Not the, All right. Well, yeah, the direction pad buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say Mario. <laughs> Mario! Which Mario? makes more sense, because in Dark Moon, Mario is... Not revealed to be involved until the very end. Uh-huh. Whereas in this, for those who don't know, he gets... You watch him get kidnapped. Of course. Because you spend the night at a hotel that they generously offered you VIP rooms. Mm-hmm. And all the, all of the staff have weird plastic faces, and their feet don't move right, almost as if they're floating and have the feet attached by strings. Yeah. <laughs> Luigi is not smart. I can't blame just Luigi for that, because he was... His whole... Like, his brother and the princess and three toads were all there for the same vacation. How is, I, uh... No, go on. I, I was just thinking, I, I'm kind of sad they didn't have Toadsworth. I know Nintendo's been moving away from Toadsworth for the Mario brand. Mm -hmm. Just bring him back. He makes so much sense as a character. Yeah, how is Gooluigi... He's here. He's here. He's he, he, he's fine. He's gooping. It's neat for exploration, but it has caused problems because the button... I remember I sat, sat there as I was looking at the controls with my Joy-Cons out. I'm like, I sure hope nothing in this game requires I press down the right uh, control stick. Because my joystick can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then... It came to that, and it was like, God damn it. I had to go break out my Pro Controller. Well, such is life. Such is life. Uh, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've been up to. Um, mm -hmm. I've been trying to fight the urge to watch more of Shokugeki. Oh. Why have you been fighting the urge? Shokugeki's not good. No, I know. But I it mean, is good. It is not good simultaneously. It's, it's bad, but also like it's also the one of the only really popular slash good food manga slash anime, and that's sad. Yeah, I need to. I also need to watch Yakitate Japan, but like that's more of a goofy thing. I like that Shokugeki manages to embrace what's goofy about it being a cooking competition show while still being like. Food is important for a reason to people. And, like, having all yeah. these characters that, like, we can take seriously and, like... But then it does weird shit, like, sexualizing the teenage girls. I am just sad that when I f finally got my Iron Chef Shonen Battle anime, it was bad. Yeah. Bright like, Side, I... it was popular enough? I wouldn't be shocked if we started seeing other cook iron chef cooking it anime mm -hmm. kind of like how there's a million soccer anime 
and have been ever since uh, Captain Tsubasa. Well, it's just sports, manga, and anime in general, really. Yeah. Chokugeki's like a sports thing, but for cooking. Yeah. I'm always, I'm just always sad that the characters I care about get no screen time. Mm-hmm. Even when they're a character that did get screen time, they decided to not give them screen time anymore. Hmm. But it is one of the few times certain character types I've seen actually got development at all. I talked about this last time, not last time, one of the times I was on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I've been, I have been thinking about getting back into watching it. Haven't done it yet, because I instead needed to do, you know, Carmen. <laughs> Carmen San Diego. Yeah. Other um, responsibilities. Watching a good yeah. show. God forbid. <laughs> God forbid. Um... Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I don't think mm. there's anything else we sh- to discuss here right. in this context. Right. Well, for me, uh, I got back to... Because I had oh, paused at a certain point while reading it, but now I'm getting back into reading more of Chainsaw Man. Uh, spoiler alert, Chainsaw Man is still really fucking good. Uh, I got to... I think I've mentioned this off-podcast a couple of times, that the devils in Chainsaw Man, like, they're obviously based off of the fears of humans. And the most powerful devils that we know of are known as the primordial devils that have never known death because they represent the most primal fear of humans. And I finally got to the part of the manga where we met the darkness devil. And it was fucked up and terrifying. As it should be. They, like, they end up in hell. And hell is this weird, like, grassy landscape where the skybox is a bunch of doors. Okay. And all of the the people who are half-devil who are there are like, oh, I don't want to be here. All the eyes are on us. All these super scary devils are watching us. Oh, nope, it's too late. One of them is here. And then one of the doors opens in the sky and a single, like, droplet of darkness falls onto the ground and then the entire world goes black and all you see is this like vague shape in the darkness uh and this shape is sort of um like how a king walks down the aisle to his throne being presented by what appears to be the bisected corpses of astronauts that certainly is a lot. It's a, a lot. It is a lot, and it's fucking creepy. This is like a procession of these biceps. Like, one half of their bodies is, like, clasping their hands together in prayer, and the other half is their legs sticking up out of the ground, and you can see their guts hanging out as if they make the red carpet for the Darkness Devil. I hate it here. It's great. 
Chainsaw Man is great. Uh, but I don't want to tell too much because I know you intend to like eventually check out Chainsaw Man. I'm of two minds about it. What do you? What's the other mind? Uh, spooky. That's the that's the spookiest thing that happens. Everything else about it, I mean, there's some some spooky stuff, but like, it's mostly grotesque rather than spooky. Eh. Uh, but Chainsaw Man, good. Read Chainsaw Man, or watch the anime when it comes out, whichever you prefer. I might do the anime instead. We will see. Because the because Mappa is doing it, so it'll probably be good. Why am I? Why do I look like I'm animated by Mappa? <laughs> Sorry, it's a meme only for very few people. Um, but anyway, I've also been like, you know, you how you were debating about like, should I go and watch, rewatch, or reread this thing? We should I get Kino Soma? I've been doing the exact same thing with Bleach. Yeah. I'm like. Uh, should I reread Bleach? You know, bringing this up on the podcast means we will have to. We will be here. You will be hearing from our most most loyal listener, Scarlet. Oh, I know. The thing is, is that I know what's going to happen. I'm going to reread Bleach, and I know what what's going to happen. I'm going to be like, Bleach is better than I remember it, but it's still bad. <laughs> That's and going you and to... Scarlet are gonna get another three-hour argument about it. I don't. I just do not get some of the stuff. I get her defending. Some of it I don't. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't get how she defends. Oh no, that was Eisen's plan all along. But wait, that doesn't make any sense. If that wasn't his plan all along, why are there so many scenes where he's by himself thinking to himself about his plan? That makes no sense. Anyway, I'm not going to get into this. But the reason that I started thinking about that was that... I don't know if you know fucking uh, the YouTuber by the name of Totally Not Mark. He's he was for a long time really famous for like Dragon Ball stuff. Mm-hmm. But like within the past 2 years, he started doing this thing where it's like, "You know what? Fuck it. I've been talking about Dragon Ball for too long. I'm going to see what's going on with all this other like I love manga. I want to see what's up with some of this other shit, right?" Mm-hmm. And then he went through the gargantuan task of reading through One Piece. And making reviews about reading One Piece. And because he'd never experienced One Piece. I enjoyed those immensely, so I ended up subscribing to him. And then he ended up doing, like, other stuff. And his most recent one is he is going through Bleach. Uh. Because uh, he already did Naruto. He already did uh, Berserk. He already did Chainsaw Man. Uh, he did JoJo, uh, and now it's Bleach. 
I think he did Jujutsu as well, but I'm not sure. I don't think he's done Demon Slayer yet, though. Hmm. But uh, honestly, recommend that uh, video, those videos he did about One Piece. He has a lot of like things about One Piece that it's really interesting hearing the opinion of somebody who hasn't been a fan for like ten plus years, and it has just kind of been watching it from the outside. You know, this is a neat perspective. In fact, he just, the Wano uh, video that he did came out pretty recently because, you know, Wano just finished. <laughs> also, um, I was dreading the Wano video because I was like, how are they going to refer to Yamato? Oh, yeah, the, the current... I can't even say current. The the thing that has been extremely divisive for no fucking reason. Uh, they... Mark has gone the... I'm not gonna piss off anybody road. I'm going to refer to Yamato as they. And no I'm like... Ghost option, but okay. It It's like... Okay. The... It is not the option I would have chosen, but... You know... It could it's, be worse. It could be worse. Referring to Yamato as they, I'm like, you know what? All right, I'm fine. I'll take that. It's a whole thing. Listen. It's a whole thing. I'll take Listeners it, Listeners don't come at us. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's come like, at me. Come at Joey. I am impartial. I am uh, unable to have... Well, I do have an opinion here. It's that it's call him he. Um, but... Mm-hmm. As the cis man here, I have less options to opinions here. I'm fine with they because it is gender neutral, but... You really shouldn't be calling trans people they, though, if they have actual pronouns they've preferred. Yeah, it's that, like... That, that, that's me to the viewers. Yamato being a fictional character, this is the whole thing. And I guess I'd rather they than she. I, I would much rather that. So, you know, I'll take it. I'll take my little victories. But anyway... Uh, his videos are fun. Also, ended up starting rewatching. Uh, I've talked about him as well before. Uh, Masako X. Mm-hmm. He was one of the guys who worked on Dragon Ball Abridged. He was the voice of Goku. Ah, and he's done a bunch of really cool Dragon Ball What If stories. Uh, some of them having become their own, like, basically video podcast audio drama fanfictions. Uh-huh. Uh, for one, he has one where What If Frieza turned into a good guy. Or What If Frieza was a protagonist, more, more likely. And then mm. the result of that was... People liked that story so much that he had an entire, like, season one and two of basically an audio drama continuing that story of Frieza being a protagonist. And a story about Frieza. Like, and it's like him traveling through space. And Yamcha is there. Hi, Yamcha. Oh, it, it's good. It's really good. The other one that was really popular that he did was what if Raditz uh, was, didn't die and ended up being part of the, the, the gang. Ah. 
which was his first super, super popular one. He's also done a lot of other cool ones, like what if Bulma uh, decided to learn how to fight, but instead of learning how to use key, he does know key techniques, but what if she used an Iron Man suit to fight villains? Sick. Doesn't yeah. work in the genre, but sick. Yeah, but this is a what if story. Yeah, no, that's why I'm saying. I'm saying it really only works for a what if because, like. I mean, I don't see why it couldn't, considering that the androids are super powerful. So why couldn't you make an Iron Man suit that could be just as powerful? I don't think anyone wants to hear my actual opinion on that. Well, no, like, I don't get why you couldn't when the androids are strong because they oh, are... I I agree with you. I, uh-huh. I'm, sorry, I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh-huh. I just think Toriyama would not do that. Well, yeah, well, no, that's, 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 that goes without saying. That's, that's my only thing. I, I don't think Toriyama would do anything, would do Well, yeah, that. of course he fucking wouldn't. That's not... That's not a for debate. Like, what? I thought you were saying that, like... Oh, no. I was agreeing with you it would be cool. I, like... Well, yeah, Toriyama just wouldn't ever do it. Yeah, no, that... Obviously. That that goes without saying. But, um... At least the, the Frieza one... being a protagonist of a story thing, I could see Toriyama doing is what I'm... Is more what I'm getting at. That's the kind of what if that I can see Toriyama... If not doing, signing off on, like, that one guy who... Like, the one manga of being isekai as Yamcha. Right. I mean, you'd have to... Yeah, he'd sign off of it. And Masako does a good job of making sure that... Uh, it, while the what-if stories, what-if Frieza turned good, it is... N- Frieza is not a good guy. That is to be very... Made, 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 made very clear. Frieza is like an anti-hero, more than anything. Because good if he guy, turned com- but that does not mean I am good guy. Yeah, you, I'm good guy, but doesn't mean I'm a good guy. He's morally ambiguous. Which I prefer over just straight up making him a good guy. Because I'm like, we've had enough full-on Dragon Ball Redemption arcs. Half of your team is just is nothing but villains that have been redeemed. And only yeah. one of them is relevant. Yeah. Because who? Because no one gives a shit about Tien anymore, and Piccolo has barely ever ha- has had barely anything to do for a long time. Uh. And Android eighteen didn't really get a lot to do either. Toriyama had uh four different opportunities. To make a character in his main cast who was a f- female fighter and failed to do it every single time. Bulma, I can let pass because that's not who Bulma is. Bulma's a scientist. He's useful in other ways. I will not let Chi-Chi, Android 18, or Videl yeah. pass. Basically, Toriyama said... Uh, once you, once, once the, the important character, that being the male character, puts a baby in you, you're a housewife. At least with Chi-Chi, there's the whole thing of she always wanted to be a housewife, I, I guess. I think she should have also fought alongside being a housewife. That'd be very funny. Yeah. 
I wish they had played with... By the way, that's another one of Masako's what-ifs. Um, what if Chi-Chi was one of the the, the fighters? Yeah. And, she, and he plays with the idea of that, like, Gohan's, like, super rage power, he, he gets it from her. <laughs> Which I like. That's fun. I, I like that idea. Uh, but anyway... If anyone has any vague interest in Dragon Ball, but like, you know, mostly like it's likes it for its characters and wishes that they were in better stories, <laughs> go go check that out. Also, obviously, can't won't get too much in this, but that episode, liter- that video literally dropped as me and Janky were recording the last episode. Uh, the uh, uh, Quint reviews Sam and Cat video, the first one. Obviously, watch that. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, I the, the the thing that got me was the beginning, where it's like he spends the first thirty minutes not talking about Sam and Cat, but instead starts talking about the Gibby pilot, where Gibby was going to get his own show. And then there was like a screenplay that it came out, and he and and he basically went over the screenplay of this unaired pilot for Gibby's spinoff show. I never understood. Here's the thing I didn't get about Gibby's weird progression into main character is I don't think he was actually all that popular with viewers. I don't remember giving a shit about him even when he was a main character. Just because he wasn't popular with you doesn't mean people didn't like him. I said I don't think. He was. I'm not saying I'm correct. I'm saying the impression I got was mm-hmm. that he wasn't... How do I put this? It was not organically we're going to make him more popular because he's popular with fans. It was we're going to make him more prominent because we the writers want want more of him and thus became more popular with fans because he was more prominent. I think it was people really liked him and then they wrote him into more episodes and it was both. It was like, it's like a fucking uh, self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like, yeah, he was popular and people liked him. And then the writer saw that and thus started writing him in more episodes, thus making him more popular. Something like that. It's just something about it, even as a kid, felt a little artificial, not fully artificial, just a little bit. I mean, it's this, it, this happens a lot in sitcoms. Like fucking look at Steve Urkel. Yeah. Like, this one-off joke character who's just there to say, to, like, who shows up in one or two episodes, like, as a completely secondary character who's, like, just really weird. And then, like, the entire show starts to revolve around him. Yeah. Or the Fonz from Happy Days. Same shit, man. Yeah. The same shit every time. Okay, but I don't think even at the height of his popularity, Gibby was a spin-off, spin-off popular. You say that, but they were gonna make a show about him. I'm saying that's why it feels a little artificial. Like, even at the height of his popularity, he was not Sam and Cat popular. Yeah, but Sam and Cat was... Sam and Cat is weird, and I can't get into, like, the whole thing without spoiling the video. <laughs> It's too bad um, the video came out before Jeanette McCurdy's um, memoir. No. No. Did, did it not? Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. 
So what, there's a bit at the end of that video where mm -hmm. fucking Quentin goes on about, uh, this video is actually two months late, and at the end of this video, I was also gonna be like, hey, buy Jeanette McCurdy's book, but it's already a New York Times bestseller, <laughs> so it kind of feels like a moot point, and also, like, spitting in her face that me, a fucking YouTuber with not even a million subscribers, could make it that she would sell more things by selling people to go buy her book. And also, as I was writing this video, and it was being delayed, and I was having a terrible time in my actual real life, people were being like, hey, did you know Jeanette McCurdy has a book coming out? Did you know that Jeanette McCurdy has a book coming out? And then Quentin is just like, yeah, I, I did, and I was gonna talk about it. But then this video was late. And now her book is out, and now I feel like a complete and utter jackass. Yeah, that's fair. He gets more into that in the video. Just go... If, you haven't, if you're not watching Quentin Reviews, what are you doing here? Uh, mm -hmm. I don't blame anyone for not watching those, because I haven't, because they are so goddamn long. I mean, yeah, you watch them in chunks. You don't watch them all at once. That's just... That's just stupid. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you other people have different interactions with the internet. I know, but I mean, that's how you, if you want to consume, if you want to consume them, but are like, ah, oh, they're too long, well then just break them up into chunks. I still haven't gotten around to it. Maybe I will one day. You're missing out. Especially when they're you certainly... start to... Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, it's certainly something. It's great. Especially when you start talking about the, uh, the NSU. No. 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 Mm -hmm. I veto. Veto. Oh, Absolutely you don't want to talk not. about the, the Nickelodeon sitcom Expanded Universe? First of all, if, if if you are including the word expanded, that'd be NSEU. Second of all. It's NSU. I do not. <laughs> There's a... You know that superhero show that they had that was a sitcom about uh, Henry... Called Henry Danger? Yes. There was a villain in that show uh, who was th basically, with given all available evidence, may in fact be Sam Valentine's sis uh, brother from Victorious. <sighs> yeah, that tracks. <laughs> also, apparently Ryan Seacrest is dead in that uh, universe. <laughs> Things that are canon in the that universe, and he has like a booklet that says that are canon in the NSU. And in, and by the end of this, by the end of that entire saga, he writes he writes down robot apocalypse question mark. Yeah. Did okay. I have one question about the 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 Quentin reviews thing. Mm -hmm. Is there any evidence that Drake and Josh is in the same universe as iCarly? Yes. So here's the okay. problem. So here's the problem. <laughs> I can't get into, like, the Pepe Silvia levels of, like, shit where Quentin talks about, like, in some contexts, the show is a show within a show, but also in other contexts, it implies that this show was real, but also that the, that the characters remembered as a show, but also that they appear as their actors, not their actual characters within this context. So, at all times, the NSU is in a basically Schrodinger's quantum state, where depending on its context, it exists differently. 
Hey, hey, I have, a, I just have an unrelated question for you, Joey. Have you ever regretted asking something? <laughs> have you ever felt the regret for your own question? Peering too deeply into the abyss, as it were. I'm telling you, those videos are great. <laughs> this is They're... real, um... First, we have to talk about the parallel universe's energy. <sighs> <laughs> So here's the thing. No! He opens, literally in one of the intermissions, he opens with that fucking line. I'm not even joking. Those videos are so fucking good. By the way, if you haven't seen the uh, Super Mario 64 uh, Parallel Universes video... Hmm... You should you should do that. Also, everyone should go watch that video about the sub, the unaired Saban Sailor Moon pilot. Oh, I have I had seen a lot of people talking about that. I just haven't seen it yet. It's it's a wild ride. There's a reason they just dubbed the original show. There's a That's reason all I know. they just dubbed the original show. But I remember a lot of people drawing fan art of American Sailor Moon because they did like some of the things from that. Mm -hmm. And the the cat for Luna was cute. I liked that they made the Mercury equivalent to paraplegic. Yeah, that was just kind of a thing. Here's going to be a, a weird thing I'm going to say. The 90, 90s tokenism for representation was bad, but weirdly was the only way a lot of disabilities ever got representation. Yeah, I mean, that's sort <laughs> like, of like, you know. Like, 90s tokenism is the only reason half the shows we have watched on this pod, any of the... Actually, I'll say that I can't think of a single wheelchaired character in a cartoon that was not because of, like, 90s, 2000s tokenism. You're correct. Because, like, that was a big deal, like, mid to late 90s through the two until like the late 2000s where it was like we've got to include this representation to show that we're not racist ableist whatever even though i don't think the word ableist had entered the common lexicon at the time yeah but it was all about like we gotta we gotta spread awareness of these things and then people were like hey this tokenism thing not a good look they're like okay no more representation we've done it y'all no that's not what we said no more wheelchairs and cartoons. Got it. That's not what we meant. <laughs> Stop. And they've already left the room. With they've the already left the room. They've already left the room. And they only started coming back recently, and only some of them did. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Like. I can name on one hand how many char like characters in Western shows that I've seen who have been in wheelchairs. Who have been characters that have showed up more than once. Yeah, I was about to say, it's got to be a character that showed up more than once. Uh, one of the main extreme Ghostbusters is a guy in a wheelchair. Uh, and he's great, actually. <laughs> And then, um, fucking, what's his name from, uh, Kim Possible? He, okay, he, uh, 
I do forget his name as well, but he did only show up in like two episodes. He showed up in three. Three, right, because they had him come back, and then he was in the final episode. They had him come back, and he showed up. He also, like, shows up occasionally, like, as just like, oh, yeah, he goes here. Because he's going to their school, so you kind of see him in the background sometimes. Like Monique. He and Monique are the two characters I do wish were more in that show than they were. I wish we'd gotten an episode where Kim and Ron got captured and the two of them had to save the day. God, that would have been good. That would have been great. Especially because Monique would have hated it. And instead of it, it, instead of having to deal with Draken, it was they dealt with Professor Dementor. Yeah, either Dementor or the like Scottish guy, the 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 golfer. Duff Killigan. Duff Killigan. Uh, Mostly because I feel like Monique would have opinions about Plaid. It's a kilt, Lassie. It's supposed to be Plaid. It's my Whatever. culture. Whatever it is, it's not going with that hat. What's wrong with my hat? Oh. It's... Oh, honey. It's, <laughs> it, it basically screams, I'm trying to cover up this bald spot. <laughs> she she would de- devour that man. That man would she be would dead. devour that man. It wouldn't even be funny. <laughs> I mean, it would. It, it would, would no, It would be hilarious. I'd love that. But, like, that same era of Disney is when we got, like, the Proud Family character that was in a wheelchair. Who looked exactly the same as the Kim Possible character. I don't even remember that character. Literally the same plot without the superhero wing. He was a character that liked Penny. Mm, Proud Family got... Proud Family was more famous for its other representation. Yeah. Which, it was... That wasn't... Proud Family didn't have uh, tokenism in that way. And yeah, but it Same. did again do the whole wheelchair respect episode. Yes, I mean it did, but like its whole spiel was, you know, representation. Really, you know, weirdly, I think the most prominent wheelchair user in cartoons right now is unfortunately from Family Guy. Not fam. Wait, yeah, Family Guy. I get it in American Dad movies uh... all the time. I just died a little inside. I'm not wrong, and I hate that I'm not wrong. I just I died. Can can part seven of JoJo come out already so we can get our more fucking animated paraplegics? Thanks. Because the main JoJo in Part 7, Johnny, can't use his legs. And you know what? Power to Araki for sticking to his guns on that. At no point is there a miraculous, my, I used my stand to make it so I could walk. Johnny starts the series in a wheelchair and ends the series in a wheelchair. More power. But at the end of the series, he can spin his fingernails real good. I mean, he could do that at the start, but but even better, he can do it even better. In fact, he can do it. He can do it so fast that uh, he can pierce infinity. 
because he is able to ride his horse in the the right way to get the the perfect rotation. You see. Hashtag just uh, just uh, paraplegic things. Hashtag just paraplegic things. His his kink about bug about bugs bug bites. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call that representation though. Johnny's a little freak. Certainly has been a lot. Certainly has been a lot. JoJo is always a lot all the time. It never isn't. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, that's me. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about Carmen Sandiego. And... Welcome back to Acme Podcast Incorporated. It's time for Carmen Sandiego. Where in the world is she? You know, I don't think we ever were... The the question was not ever answered. It was, actually. Oh, really? What was uh, was the answer? She's in Buenos Aires. She is in Buenos Aires. You know what? (laughs) Mm. Well, technically, we answer that question in every episode when they go briefly into the edutainment section. Yeah. So where is she this week? Where well, is she time this to week? learn about the pyramids of Giza. Time to learn about Vienna. Uh, time to learn about Oktoberfest. Time to learn about Stradivarius. Or Stradivari. Whatever the... Whoever the yeah, his name was Stradivari. Or time to learn yeah. about uh, fucking uh, Guy Fox. No. Time to learn about the Forbidden City in Beijing. Mm-hmm. How sad is it? What does it say about me as a person that 99% of the time when they're saying these facts, I know most of them? <laughs> eh, these are... Uh, to be fair, a lot of these are pretty surface level. Like, they're giving, like... The show hits a weird middle ground of trying to hit both... I'd say, like, late elementary school to early middle school, but also, like... The plot definitely ranges to a much older audience. Mm-hmm. It so hits this weird... All-ages show. Scatter shot, yeah. It's a it's family like the educational, show. Yeah. So the educational sections always feel very oriented at a, the younger edge of their thing. So it's always very... What's wrong very surface level, very scattershot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes not... Sometimes not accurate. I know there was a huge... Um, there was a huge complaint about uh, Season 1's uh, Indonesian episode. Mm. Was it wasn't super accurate. But I haven't heard that complaint about any episode after that one. Now... They may have gotten better. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, even though we say this... There is one show or series that is explicitly aimed at adults and older people that does do this. Oh? JoJo. Oh, yeah. JoJo does that. A lot. A lot. JoJo does, especially in, like, part five, part, and part three. Uh, no, no. There's another show for adults that does this, sort mm. of. Mm. Um, Golden Kamui. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, because... Golden Comedy takes time out of its day to be like, here's the historical context you need. 
now back to the show. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of historical anime dramas can do like can do that. Because like I think Demon Slayer did that once. Did did do that once because it was like, I think the reason it did that is because we really never use this time period in anime. Yes. So I think if I remember correctly, they did that the first time we got to an actual city and weren't just out in the boonies of Japan. Yes. So we're like, by the way, we have electricity and Western-style clothing. And trains. Because this is a period in time when there was a rapid Westernization of Japan. If I remember correctly, it's around the same time as Great Ace Attorney is happening. Mm-hmm. And, like, 20 years after Golden Kamui. Mm-hmm. So it is becoming time. more common to use an anime. It is. It's a it's Taisho period, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the Taisho period. Like from, hold on, let me see if I can remember. It's like from nineteen. It's early nineteen hundreds, like nineteen ten or twelve to like nineteen twenty something or other. Is the Taisho can period? You, can you give me an actual date for nineteen for the nineteen twenty? I want to see how close you get. Uh, I think it's like nineteen. Like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna shoot my shot. I think it's like nineteen, nineteen ten to like nineteen twenty-seven or something. You're really close, actually. You would have been closer if you'd picked the more recent end of your starting date. It was in nineteen twelve. Nineteen twelve to nineteen twenty-six. God, I was one off. <laughs> You're one off on that date, and you said 1912 at one point. I did. I mean, I, I knew it was like early 1900s, like 1910, 11, 12, 13, something yeah, like that. Yeah, this is. And to be fair, this is a pretty common historical point for uh, um, historical fiction outside Japan. Oh. Pretty much anything that uses Sherlock Holmes, a lot of American media, especially noir media, yeah, loves the Roaring Twenties. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, the 20s is also when uh, uh, Miss Fisher's Mysteries happens. Right. Um, but anyway, Carmen. That's not what we're here for. Yeah, Carmen San Diego. Uh, there were some new uh, new Acme agents, and I don't know if these were from anything previously. Mm-hmm. I know Robo Robber was. Oh, vile agents, you mean? Yeah, vile agents. Yes. Like, Robo robber. I'm pretty sure is supposed to be a reference to the Robo crook. He's the Robo crook from the the game show. Yes. Yeah. I don't know about um, flytrap and spin kick though. Um. I remember when the sh- the trailer for this came out. I had a hunch that spin kick, wh- who we ended up knowing as spin kick, because we didn't have his name yet, mm-hmm. was gonna be a reference to the um. There, there was a game that was for the GameCube called The Secret of the Stolen Drums. Hmm. Um, where the player whose name I have cannot find. Um. Oh, Cole Cole Gannon. Hmm. Uh, who is this? Is one of the two games uh, Jules is in actually. Hmm. Um. Uh, I, I mentioned. I mentioned this, I'm sure, the first episode I was on. Um, 
the, this video game, you play a kid who's an Acme agent who's less on the, like, analyst side of an Acme agent and is here because he's a really good martial artist. Mm-hmm. Um, his name's Cole Gannon. Uh, the whole game, you are being assisted by Julia as you're kind of fighting Carmen. Kind of she's helping you sometimes. It's not made clear because it's a Carmen San Diego game. Um, there's also a dude named Shadow Hawkins involved, and of course the chief is here. The chief is always here. I don't remember if they used the dude chief from the um, cartoons or the lady chief from the game show. The The video games could go either way. Yeah, the video games could go either way. This show went with the lady chief, and she was very heavily based on the one who played her in the game show. Yeah, she was based on her, but then took the hologram thing, and uh, her hair was blonde to reference the chief from the cartoon. Yeah. A fusion, if you will. I think a well done. A well done reference. Oh yeah, no. Like this show basically was like, let's just take everything. We don't let's not just take one thing, we're gonna take all of it. We'll take everything, but we want it to be tasteful. Yes. Um Yeah, I don't know about Spin Kick or Fly Trap if they were a reference. I, I I'm pretty sure they're not. I think they were just like, we need two newbies for a couple episodes in season three. Yeah. And let's, by the way, Dante Bosco's here. Dante Bosco is here just straight <laughs> up playing himself. Because if you, you look at this guy, he just looks like Dante Bosco. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um... He just looks like Dante Bosco. Uh... With now that the show is over, and we're done with it, who is your favorite vile agent? Oh, um, I can only pick one. You can only pick one. Well, you can pick one and a, and a honorable mention. I say this only because the answer is El Topo and Lechev. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I knew <laughs> I that. Mean, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, for you specifically, yeah. Um, I love them. You know, for a while, for a long time there, it was obvious for me. Uh, Paper Star. Yeah. But I really hate to say it. I kind of grew to like Neil the Eel. <laughs> I did like him managing to slip away from getting his mind zapped. And once again, Neil the Eel slips away. Slippery to the last drop. Slippery. And then fish. Fish. It's really funny because I was watching Rise of the TMNT and one of the villains in that is the same voice actor as Neil. Ah. This is really weird. I'm like, wait, hold on. I've heard this voice very recently. And I'm like, oh, it's because he's played by the same guy. Uh, I forget his name, but he is a New Zealand voice actor. Um, which I think might also be why they called him Neil. Uh, Reese Darby is his name. I grew to like Neil. I don't know why. I think it was, I think it was like, I was kind of starting to like him. And then, when he just straight up got away, I was like, you know what? (laughs) Alright. Yeah, I like I like that he got away. It was very funny that he he of all people managed to to, to make it out of this. Yeah, he of and all they caught people. him again. Then yeah. they caught him again. Yeah. Of of the the faculty though, I like uh, Bellum. Of the faculty, 
it, it would have to be Shadow Son, except he's not there anymore. Yeah, except he's not the he's not even faculty anymore. You know. So like, I don't. They're all they're all neat. I liked how we got to do the diff during the the like treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. We got to do like episodes for like each of them. Yeah. And like, sort in sort of their homelands, except Brunt, but like. Yeah. I'm sad we didn't but, learn the identities of the other original vile. Op- we members. had so much going on at the time. I mean, I know, but like we learned about one of them. But I'm sad that we didn't learn who the rest of them were, just in, even in passing. You know. I will say it was a strong opener to to those uh, to the old the original vile when they were like a one-eyed Viking warrior princess. Mm-hmm. That is a strong opening sentence when you're talking about a villain organization. Yeah, it is, and how the V was a five, and... I wish they at least, like, specified what cultures each of the... Oh, what they were from? Vile... At least, if we weren't gonna, like, get what they all were, we knew knew there was the one Viking, and I would like them to have been, like, here's what the others were. One of them had to have been a pirate. From, like, Spain, maybe? It depends on... Well, the Car- they could have been from the Caribbean. They could have been from China. Uh, like, Chinese I... pirate. There was, like, a- Chinese pirates were, like, a huge thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there are a lot of factors. A lot of factors. Because I, I don't... I can't do the history right now to figure out what was where. I mean, they when. could have been... One of them could have been uh, a Hun or a Mongol. If we wanted to keep the theme of, like, raiders and, you know, stuff and thieves and whatnot. I wouldn't be shocked if the reason they the, the stuff ended up in Egypt was because one of them was Egyptian. No, they happened upon it, remember? That was the, the Well, yes, they happened upon it, but, like, that doesn't mean one of them couldn't have been from the then-modern Egypt. Oh, yes, one of them was from modern Egypt. One of them was... Then-modern. <laughs> then-modern Egypt. One of them was probably from Greece... Slash Rome, depending on the time period. Uh, it had to be Rome because it was the Roman numeral five. Oh, then yeah, one of them was from Rome. Because otherwise, why would they have... A Viking, a Roman, an Egyptian. A, pi- a Chinese pirate. And... I don't know. A Mongol, maybe? A Mongol, slash a, or a Hun. Um... Or they could have been from, like, India. They could have been from India. They also could have been, like... Because, like, we had... One of the, the pieces was in India, if I remember correctly. Yeah, one of the pieces was in India. If I remember correctly. Yeah, it I, was. I that was the one that Bellum found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, one of them was probably from India. So, but, yeah. Yeah, I will say... Mm-hmm. Um... Yes. I don't know. I I, I actually kind of grew to, to like how fucked up Lady Doxa was. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> At, for the first time, she and Shadowson had like their a uh, semi rivalry. It felt a, a little forced. Like, oh, they're both from Japan. But then they kept doing it, and we Shadowson revealed he's hilarious. Oh yeah, he's no. Like, Our relationship is toxic, and I'm like Shadowson. Shadowson. Uh, so, what was your favorite part, Shadow-san? The end. 
Me too! I love he's... that action-packed climax. He's so silly. Or when it was like... Secretly the funniest character. Now what I want you to do is I want you to find a little nerve bundle right behind your neck. Feel that? Now give it a good pinch. Just knocks himself out. <laughs> and he just goes back to reading his manga. I think it was a magazine. He was Not reading manga before. when the, the robot arm attacked. Oh, yeah. He was reading a manga. I don't know what manga, but he was reading a manga. It was definitely a book when it was Zack, though. Like a Oh, yeah, no, he book. was reading, like, a magazine or a book or whatever. He likes to read. Which, fair. Uh, I think my favorite thing that came out of this season was definitely, like... I, I like Devino becoming the proper Zenigata. But also, like, I liked, I, okay, when the show started, I was like, he's definitely do, he's, everything the Zenigata archetype is, and exemplifies all the flaws in it, but his character arc, he really comes to understand the things that the, was the overarching, how to, I had a way to word this, mm -hmm. I was thinking of what I was thinking about the podcast. We get all these little educational segments in, uh, Carmen, and some of the actual like places they go are a little fictionalized, like the extreme booby traps in the Egyptian pyramid. I mean, um, you know, that's the Indiana like, Jones nature. The, yeah, yeah. But like the overarching educational theme of the show, of the whole show, is something that's a little harder to do, and I think it's a little more important when talking about these kinds of educational issues, which is the importance of heritage and culture and understanding cultures understanding other cultures mm -hmm. it's like the importance of culture and history to humans to people mm -hmm. and that's the overarching theme and it was really neat to see devino go through the dull facts boring things to by the end of season four uh, julia's like oh i know dull facts boring things He's like never i would never say that absolutely not and he meant it. And I was like, aww. Yeah, no, I genuinely liked the whole, like, how their dynamic changed. And I wanted more of the show with them in that new dynamic. Because he's so sweet after he, like, understands he was a shitty person to her. And, like, understands she was right the whole time. I was wrong the whole time and she was right. Like, mm hmm it shouldn't take him that long to get there, but when he did, he really did change. And I liked that. I loved the con the running joke of him ruining cars. I love how also he was like, I will make sure not to, to ruin the car this I will not fall in the car this time like I did last time. And, and he Carmen fell in the said, car. No. Carmen said no. Carmen threw him into the car. Like, I just... Can't, guy can't catch a break. No. Uh, and I, I loved the the thing that he became of like, all right, we, I know he's fully a good guy now and on Carmen's side, but he's still kind of like a bumbling clown. Yeah, but like he does get stuff done when he needs to. Oh, you know, just like Zenigata. Yeah. It's it's literally the, what he's Zenigata. He's definitely like the earlier version of Zenigata where he like. Mm -hmm. bumbles into success, but he's still got a good heart. Yeah, exactly. 
I think my favorite episode with him was the episode where they saved Jules from the pyramid. Yeah. And, like, he helped Carmen actually do a vial bust. Almost a vial bust. It was so close. Yeah, and then, like, I think my favorite part of that episode was the uh, bit where Tigress is like, oh, wow, maybe I can make the rest of you match that coat. Excuse me? Hello? Los Angeles? <gasps> that was you! I love that coat! <laughs> but the fact that she remembered and he didn't is really funny to me for some reason. He had a lot going on. He, he always has he a lot. He also had his... Didn't he have his brain jumbled between those episodes? I don't remember. So much happened. I don't remember where that order happened. It's been him. a while since we last watched the last two seasons. Also true. Um... But uh, while we are on Devino, I want to scooch to the right a little quick and talk about Julia, Carmen's precious lesbian girlfriend. I was I was gonna say, boy, the... lesbian energy. Am I right? Uh, what was the the quote I sent you so I would remember it later? Hold on. Oh, I didn't think. Oh, who knew my two key areas of interest that ever inter- intersect was Julia, in context, talking about. Uh, ancient languages and history, but then staring straight at Carmen there's in a, her eyes. There's also a scissoring joke to be made there. But is there in, in two areas of expertise intersecting? Two areas of interest intersecting. Come on. I feel like we're stretching. I don't know. There's but, a uh, there's a no, joke there. There's something. There's something but there. Like... Unfortunately, this show uh, att- very much strongly. Tries to be too heterosexual, unfortunately. You say that, but, like, that with Jules, they literally had her, like, mm-hmm. she blushed when she saw Carmen. No, I'm talking when about... Car- when she saw evil Carmen. No, I'm talking about the fucking Calloway, like, gray Carmen yeah, stuff. Yeah, which they kind of had, but, like, I genuinely, it never came off as romantic to me. Like, it was... Gray cared about Carmen. It when Carmen during that period of time when they were working together that we could see at the later point just kind of mm-hmm. didn't care about anyone. You know that was what they intended, though. Unfortunately, they it is what they intended because I have seen the official art of them intending it, and they made Red Crackle their official ship name. Yeah, but then they do shit like Julia, like staring at Carmen and being like, uh you are one of my two areas of, of most interest. And then, like, mm-hmm. blushing, literally blushing when she saw Carmen was in, um, where were they? Vienna? In Vienna. Mm-hmm. She's like, ah, it seems the Crimson Ghost has this one covered, Devino. The Crimson Ghost. Um, I, mi- I miss Devino shouting La Femme Rouge. Yeah. La Femme Rouge! Yeah. I missed that. But like the 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 lesbian energy with Julia and Oh no, it's powerful. Carmen was so powerful the whole show in a way that like if it was in a way that felt intentional by someone on the show. Oh yeah. Someone may was making someone intended that. Someone wanted it. Or like when when Julia was literally like, "You have to recognize me, Carmen." In, in 
Mm-hmm. And mentioned the nickname only Carmen used for her. Jewels? The only jewels I care about are the are the are those those jewels. Okay, <sighs> you know what I wanted to ha- like. You know what I wanted to happen so bad in like that final sort of arc of mind control, Carmen. What I wanted so bad for like Vile's plan to go too well, and for her to realize I don't need the rest of the fal- faculty. She was like a week away she from was, that yeah, being. She was like a... she was a week away from. Here's the thing: the she was a week away from becoming the Carmen San Diego from. The TV, every other the show. The other TV show, Because, like, yeah. she, basically the whole time she was evil, she was acting like the Carmen from every other show. Yeah. And I'm glad... I was worried that, like, oh, are we... Is this show going to end with... Her being evil. Her being evil, because it's an origin story. But, no, I'm glad we didn't do that. And then it, the implication of the end of that series is that other people would will, will take on the name Carmen Sandiego. Yeah. Which I'm like, okay, that's a good way to do it. You know, there's always the original Carmen, but there will be other, other people. Other people will yeah. be Carmen. Yeah. Yeah. Both good and bad. Yeah. So, you know what? All right, I'll take that one, right? It's like an alias. Uh, and speaking of the ending, I had heard a long time ago when the four was coming out that the ending was going to have Zack and Ivy and Acme instead of on Team Red. And I remember at the time hating it, and I went into the last season thinking. I'm gonna hate that, and they turned it around on me in the last five minutes. Yeah, because because like you know they had the three important parts of that were Zach and Ivy literally saying our life is fighting crime now. It's the thing we do. It's the thing we're good at. Yeah, and then like uh, Shadow San doing his old speech to Carmen of like you've earned you've earned your way out of this mm-hmm. like. You don't have to do this alone anymore. You've s- solved Vile. You can have the life with your mother you deserve. Mm-hmm. And so Shadow San and Carmen, who've been fighting this fight for years, finally get to retire, like, go home. Retire. And Zack and Ivy get, except Carmen gives them, like, hey, I love you so very much. Mm-hmm. But I know you want to keep doing this fight, so if you want to, here's the Acme pen I stole. Because of course she stole one of them. Yeah. The the one thing I was not, like, the biggest fan of, in terms uh-huh. of, like, now that the show is over, is that, like... Except with, like, one exception, that being the end of, like... Uh, I think it was season two, where Carmen was, like, stuck out in the snow and almost died. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carmen never felt challenged. You know what I mean? It, I never felt at any point she might fail. When she was good, anyway. Hmm. Like, the robo-robber, like, gave her a run for her money, but, like... With, like, the, the thing with Roundabout, where it was, like, saw she saw his plan a mile away and, like, turned it around on him. I did like that episode, though, because it was the first time I remember the show doing the proper heist movie flashback sequence. Right. And, like... Um, and they did it again in the Beijing caper. 
Um, mm -hmm. But I don't know. I felt like Carmen was kind of challenged by the um, treasure hunt because the stakes kept getting higher. Like they lost one of the relics and it was dumb luck that the eye patch had what they needed on it. Mm -hmm. um, she managed to get to that next one faster, but then like she was almost dead to rights in that pyramid. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I will say, on that topic, the way they actually caught her felt forced and stupid. Uh, Just like... In where? The drones... Hmm? Uh, caught her? Oh, yeah. Like, the the thing with... Where they found... The drone just found her. Like, it, it was like, okay, we've had enough, we're gonna catch her. Like, you could've... It feels like you could've done this the whole time. Which we know they couldn't, because they were trying to do this exact thing so it's like, the whole time. So it's like, why now? Like, it felt like there needed to be given a, a better reason for why she was caught. Like, I get that the plot needed her to be caught there. I understand it was where it needed to happen. I think it would have been better if we, like, rearranged some of these events to where she found out where her mom was, and Vile discovered that, and used it as bait, or found out she was looking for her mom and tried to use it as bait, and that's how they captured her? I think all it needed was, like, her, them to have seen her meet with the chief that one time and set up, like, and see Sarah Bellum go, I'm going to set up surveillance on that coffee shop where she met with this blonde lady. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. when they see that she's there again, be like, we will dispatch the cleaners to Seattle. The other way I could have I could have really seen Carmen being caught is vile tracking down player. I'm shocked they never did. I'm, I'm shocked they never did they either. Ne <laughs> Especially with the troll. The troll knew she had a hacker. Troll knew she had a hacker. Never tracked him down. It's weird. And then like, I'm surprised we didn't get the like Carmen gets a call from player and it's like Maelstrom or one of the cleaners on the other line. And then they tell him, they tell her, come alone. You know. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm shocked that that didn't happen. It was weird. Yeah, it kind of felt like there were some plot points that they wanted to do with that and didn't happen. Because, like, yeah. we only got to see players' life, like, players' school the one time. You know... You know another. You know what's something I realized. Uh, when player started becoming less of a thing in the last few bits of this show, I knew I realized why. It was probably because Finn Wolfhard was working on the next season of fucking. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> Stranger yeah, Things. Almost certainly. <laughs> so it. they couldn't get him to be on the show as much. That's probably what happened. Yeah. So they had to write say, around it. We'll say another thing I liked about the ending <clears throat> real quick is even though we know Zack and Ivy are in Acme now and that like Carmen has gone to the orphanage and met her mother and presumably they've reconnected and she's living there. The ending doesn't have any implication of and she never spoke to Zack and Ivy ever again. Oh, yeah. No, she like it definitely has this because like the, the familiarity Zack and Ivy still have with. Oh, hey, that's Carm mm -hmm. felt very like, oh, they're still friends. They still 
ta- this isn't like your standard and the gang split up. This is the part of the gang retired, the other half didn't, and they still meet every other weekend. Yeah, by the way, I am so glad that we got to circle back to the uh fucking Shadowsan Hideo thing. Yeah. Cuz it felt like there was like there was more there. I'm glad we got to circle back to it. Yeah, and I, I'm glad, like, Hideo finally, like, learned what... Learned that Shadow-san was trying to, to fix it. <laughs> I think that the Samurai Ninja comparison was a little forced. It was a little... Yeah, and it was also very, like... But also, mm. like, it kind of made sense because he is a scholar. Like, he he's a historian specific, like specifically of Samurai. Yeah. But also, it did feel a little forced because they're Japanese. But it's not a wrong comparison. It's not, but also, like, you know... It's a complicated issue that I, as a white guy, can't really say much beyond I think it felt a little forced. Mm-hmm. But, but also, it the show has enough historical comparisons to think, and, like, how history is... It's a whole thing. It's a whole complicated issue. Don't come at me. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad they got to reconnect, and it... The implication being that they reconnected while Carmen finally reconnected with her mom. Mm Mm-hmm. Just like... I don't know. It was a a very satisfying ending in a way I didn't expect it to be. Yeah, I'm also glad we got to finally, like, address the, oh, you killed my dad (laughs) thing, you know? Yeah. With, with the chief, and it's like, if I wanted revenge, we wouldn't be talking. I'm glad we got yeah. to, like, at least, like, even if it was, like, one line, we addressed it in some capacity. Yeah. You know. Um. It feels like, I don't know. I, I feel like this show, while it had a really good ending, it feels like there were some things that if this show had more episodes we could have gotten to do. Yeah, especially because, like, Flytrap and Spin Kick were literally two episodes. Two episodes, also, like... They introduced them and dropped them. Also, Zack and Ivy, like... Didn't get to do anything the last season. Ivy got one episode, and then Zack got to and do it wasn't even... fuck all. It wasn't even an episode where she was doing the thing she's good at. No, it was like, her... Like, she's a mechanic and an engineer, yeah. so, like... That's and that's the reason why she like handles Red Drone as she makes all of Carmen's little gadgets. Yeah. And they never really use that for anything. Beyond she is the one who manages Red Drone. Yeah, and then like we could we could have done something with player, like I said, and like addressed what player just like he is the Wade, but unlike Wade, he doesn't get to have stuff to do later, other than the Wade thing. Because Wade, in the later seasons of the show, like, shows up in person and, like, yeah. gets into a relationship with Monique and has, like, other stuff to do other than, you know, doing tech, you know? It also felt weird that they set up, like evil versions of all of them of all the the non yeah um carmen ones so like lady dokso was shadow san's evil counterpart you had the mechanic and the driver for zack and ivy and the troll for player yeah it felt like they were setting up to do a 
these are the people in the heist and Carmen can't do it, so it is up to the whole team yes. to fight their evil selves. It felt like they were setting up for that, and then it didn't happen. Yeah, it felt like that. Also, it felt like we were setting up for a um, new villain showing up in the final season to take that final seat and usurping the entire rest of the faculty. Yeah. And being the big threat at the end. And I felt like, honestly, they could have done that with the evil Carmen. Um, now, if I were writing the show, what I would have done, even though it's cliche, you could have done the evil clone. Yeah. Like the evil clone plot, right? The Either she's a, actually a clone or she's an android of Carmen. With all of her memories, but adjusted, and thus, you know, is a match for Carmen. But, Another thing they could have gotten away with... No, you finish. But again and again in doing so, they undermine themselves because she's way more competent than all of them combined. <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing they could have done is if they had gotten one more season, we would have had the evil Carmen thing be a season-long problem. Yes. And then we would have gotten a full season that was a callback to the original show where Zack and Ivy are Acme agents tracking down Carmen. Yes. And then, like, Player is helping them like Player was in the original show. Yeah. Um, and I guess Shadowson's here. I guess he's here. Why you guys shit talk Shadowson? <laughs> Because I'm saying he's not involved in the comparison to the original show. Maybe he doesn't have to be. Yeah. I did like that Jules became a part of Team Red, though. Yeah. Like, right before she re-entered Acme. Mm-hmm. I am just sad that we didn't get more of the new dynamic with her and Devno. Yeah. I liked that really awkward moment when they saw each other again. He was like, he was like do I go in for the... Are we... Do we just... Okay, fist bump. And Julia was also like, handshake. No, a hug's appropriate. Never mind. He's like, actually, no, okay, fist bump. Got it. I did like that she offered the hug, though. Because, like, Julia at the beginning of season one would have rather died. But, like, mm -hmm. she does trust Devino. She likes Devino. They're friends, mm -hmm. sort of. Just like that one scene when Devino and her were staking out the, the pyramid and went, Let me ask, is Carmen Sandiego your name? Is Chase your real name? <laughs> yes. It comes from word chasse in French, which means to hunt. It was also my nickname that I gave myself in high school. <laughs> uh, very good. I also liked the setup of. Um, Peligro Lupe and like the other you know not Carmen's which I, yeah. I felt like we were setting up a thing where we were going to have a season of evil Carmen and they were going to team up with them to take down the evil Carmen Yeah, I felt like we were setting that up but you know I don't know speaking of Lupe Peligro though ma'am she was so cool I was like, if she joined Team Red from this episode, I wouldn't be mad. It would just be like Jack Chan Adventures all over again. Ce celebratory. Yes, exactly. Jack Chan <laughs> Adventures in the best way. Yeah. Because, you know, the luchador and all that shit. Except with actual archaeological finds. 
Yeah, instead of magical. I would love that crossover, though. That would be a wild crossover, and I still want the crossover that's um, with Lupin? Lupin Carmen. Well, yeah. They both wear red. They're both master... Sometimes. Th- they're both, I mean, you know... Lupin's both most... Master Thieves. Lupin's most iconic look is the red. The red coat. Let's be real. When the, I would... Mm. There are arguments to be made for green and blue. Thankfully, pink is not an option. I'm just saying that, like, red... Like, when they made the new CG movie, and when they made the live-action movie, and when they made, you know such and such and, and and promotional material for light lupin that's not related to the newest series he's wearing the red jacket yeah but then you get like his most famous movie of all time he's in green mm-hmm. and like he's in green and just in just as many stuff as red to the point where there's a whole movie that's red red jacket versus green jacket i mean in the modern times most people when they think of lupin they think of him in the red jacket I actually think blue only because he's had a blue jacket for, like, two, se- uh, three seasons now. I just think of him in the red jacket because, like, all the tertiary material that's not the new parts, he has the red jacket. He also had a black jacket for one movie, which was an interesting choice. Yeah, it's like, like I said, the CGI movie. He also had green, if I remember correctly, didn't he also have green in, uh, Fuji, in A Woman Named Fujiko Mine? As much as I don't like that. I movie. never watched A Woman Named Fujiko Mine, so... He had a red jacket in the Goemon movie, I believe. By the way, I'm still mad Fujiko Mine didn't win an, uh hottest anime woman. To reference modern internet culture. Do we wanna ever do an episode where we talk about the grave of Daisuke Jigen and the Goemon movie together in the same episode? That would be neat. Yeah, because that would be neat. Because they're both it's like Goemon and Jigen getting their own movies and both in the same animation style. Yeah. I think that's definitely an episode we can do for another Lupin oh, episode. Speaking of, mm-hmm. the, back to this, since we were talking about the other, um, the other Carmens. Right. Uh, Sonya definitely felt like they were setting her up to, like, get a spinoff or something. Or be the new Carmen, yeah. Yeah, like, super hard. Yeah, for sure. The... But weirdly, the one I the the quote unquote new Carmen I cared the most about was uh, Shifeng. Mm. She was really cool. She was like, it was like, hey, cool moves. Yeah, I know pecking opera. Yeah, it's got kung fu and acrobatics in it. And she was really cool when she like a drop kicked my mom. Yeah, I did very much love the end of, like, when you saw all the Acme people in jail and, like, Maelstrom <laughs> was in the insane asylum with Mime Bomb. Uh, yeah. I felt like... I, oh, mm-hmm. I got no, you finish. I, I just, I felt like Maelstrom, out of all the faculty... I love Liam O'Brien's performance, but I felt like his identity as a member of the faculty has kind of lost most of the series, because this whole deal is like he's a psychologist. But, like, that identity isn't as, like, present as the other identities of the faculty. Like, Bellum is the scientist. Uh, the Count, like, fucking the Countess is all about jewels and gems and pretty things. And fashion. And yeah. fashion. Brunch is the muscle. And Shadow Song is all about stealth. You say that, but the entire thing with Crackle, he did, he was, 
They no, already But before that, when was the yeah. last time that he ever referenced most, the fact that he was yeah. a psychologist? Yeah, before that, most of his stuff was the twisted psychology of his schemes, which didn't come up as much as just, like, he picked fucked up targets. Like, it's like, let's steal the Magna Carta, and everyone went, why? Everyone's like, why? We don't get any money out of it. I, I wish they had leaned more into his character as, like, a... He's clearly trying to be Hannibal Lecter, but they don't do enough with it. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's a mint nitpick. You were going to say something, though. Oh, I just at the end, I loved that Tigress called out how stupid putting Carmen on the seat was. She's like, ah, yes, let's put Carmen San Diego on a faculty seat. Great job, ladies. And they're all just like, shut up. She was correct, though. Tigress, rarely correct, was correct. She was correct. She was correct. That was the wrong move. When they gave her the seat, I was looking at the screen like, really? I, I was, really? I was so waiting for the, she is way more competent than all of us together and is going to usurp us as the one the one leader of Vile. And it didn't happen, and I'm sad it Which didn't. would have been really cool if they did that as a season, because, like, that is what Vile is in most Carmen San Diego things, is it's Carmen's organization. Yeah. And then it's an entire season of them trying to stop the evil Carmen after she's taken over Vile's operation. Yeah, that would have been very cool. Yeah, and it w- and it also would have given us an excuse for the old faculty to team up with Team Red. I guess I feel like it'd be more of a Team Red teams up with Acme though. No, but that I mean, feels it, it, more. I also it was no, it would have been a perfect excuse for some of the other members of Vile to team up trying to stop. Oh, okay. Yes. Not just not that, just that I can not see. not just faculty, but like also like crackle. If and, you if know. it were me, that is where I would put the El Topo Lachev redemption arc. I love that they have a taco truck. I it was my favorite part of the ending. I was like, oh, but they because the whole show, I'm like El Topo and Lachev deserve better. Are they like weird fucked up criminals? Yes. Do I think they deserve better because they're gay? Yes. Um, but the end is like, they aren't in jail, they just have a taco truck together, and they're just living out of who the fuck knows where, with their own little gay taco truck. And it was like, this is, this is the ending they deserved. Mm-hmm. This is the ending they deserved, and I was so happy with Never it. Never get over when they stole the one artifact, and they were like, selfie! <laughs> they were, they were both into it, and he was like... We can't use this picture, though, because you have the thing the wrong way around. Like, like, oh, right. Like, oops, my bad. They're so cute. I hate how cute they are. They're bad, but so cute. They're so cute. I love them. Oh, God, but yeah, no. The show was good. I'm sad that there was no... There wasn't... It felt like we could have had one more season. Yeah, we definitely could have had like a the whole the what was the final episode could have been a whole season. Yeah, the evil it could have been a whole evil season where like yeah, where like the mid-season like reveal twist is Crackle turning on Carmen. Yes. Exactly. That that would have been like the perfect mid-season thing, followed almost immediately by Carmen usurping um doing her full usurp because like 
every episode up to that would have been her like either working with faculty getting the seat whatever and then like as soon as crackle turns it's like well she's the only faculty head now because mm-hmm. she got the others either caught or brain drained or thrown in the dungeon i can literally i can see the scene now where she finds out that they mind wiped her and uh she does the like all of them are captured and she like starts walking past their cells and goes you know i really should thank you actually (laughs) you know that whole that whole stick i you, you say that i feel like i can see I thought they were going to do the the usurp them thing when they revealed they knew who her father was. Oh, yeah, totally. And she was like, you knew the whole like, time. She Revenge. was like, th- she was three, se- three seconds from taking them out then and there. It's like, you knew the whole time who my father was? You knew the whole time? Yeah. And then she like... The only reason she didn't was they were like, Shadow-san killed him. Yeah, and then, like, she's on the faculty for a while, and every time they do a plan, it fails, and every time she does a plan, it actually succeeds, she realizes, why do I need you? You're all incompetent. Speaking of people who are more competent than the rest of Vile, why do they bother with any agents other than the cleaners? Because there's only two of them. <laughs> you can only have them in so many places. And also, they, they... their specialties are in not... In, not all the other specialties of the other Acme agents. Not Acme file agents. Okay, but, like, they so rarely failed compared to everyone else. Like, mm-hmm. they they did fail a couple times, but, like, usually because they were paired with someone else. You don't call in your best guys for every single job. True. Because, I mean, otherwise you're running your best guys ragged. I mean, you say that, but, like, I still... Did Mind Bomb ever succeed? None of them ever succeeded. None of them ever succeeded, because Carmen was always stopping them. Yeah. Like, it's not that they were incompetent, it's that Carmen was so much better than the rest of them. Because when Carmen didn't get involved, they would succeed at things. You say that, but every time they did something, I remembered thinking... Is this really... This is going to cause questions that files don't want. Like, every time uh, uh, Tiger's like, I'll cut a hole in the glass to get the thing. I'm like, that's evidence. Or, like, when they were doing the first Evil Carmen caper, where they were like, let's pick seven points of entry so there's more evidence for people to find. I mean, as long as I don't catch you, who cares? Like, if they don't, they all they know is that someone was there and stole something. That's it. That's, okay, that is, I would say, is true for the, um, cutting the hole in the thing. Seven points of entry is a lot. That's a lot of evidence to be, like, for the, the, the police to later go. So they were on the skylight, and they came up through the floor, and we have evidence of them going through either door, and they turned off the security cameras. Mm-hmm. At some point, you'd be like, this is a bigger deal than just one or two thieves. Hmm. Which is the exact thing Vile doesn't yeah, want. Yeah, but then it's like, what do they do about it? Well, Acme comes in. Acme's like, hold on. That sounds exactly like Vile's MO. Yeah, and then, and then Acme doesn't catch Vile until Carmen tells them. 
Yeah. It's like, I don't... <laughs> yeah. It's a whole thing, man. It's a whole thing. Uh, I am kind of sad Roundabout didn't get to be on the faculty that long. He was a fun, different yeah. member of the faculty. But he did... It was interesting that he got caught not because of, like... He got caught because he was the first faculty member to decide to do a job in the field when it happened. Mm -hmm. Had it been, like, Countess Cleo at, like, say, the fashion show or, like, Cerebellum, whatever, they could have easily been the one that they turned the tables on. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, Co Coach Brunch has almost been caught, like, two or three times. Almost caught. She was never captured. But she... Very important. She got real fucking close all three of those times. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked... I liked the, the, the vile thing explaining, like, failure can be forgiven. But you can't be caught. Because if you're caught, that means they can question you, and we can't have it also, that. Yeah. But it also explained how all, every agent was allowed to get... To fail to catch Carmen so often, because they're like... You can make mistakes. We're not monsters. But you get caught, ugh, that un that can undermine our entire operation. So then we mind wipe you. Well, yeah, because, you know, can't risk you snitching. Right? And we can't risk a body trail. So, we gonna, we're going to wipe your mind, in fact, so thoroughly that you can pass any lie detector test and believe everything that we've put into your brain. Yay. Uh, I did like the thing with Gray being like... His whole deal becoming... I do want to be a criminal. But I don't want Carmen to be a criminal because she didn't choose to be a criminal. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because he was like, I care about Carmen. I may have less scruples than your average person. I care about this person who is basically my like best friend in school. Mm-hmm. And it's like I want to give her a choice because I got a choice. You know? I want her to be involved by choice. Also, evil Carmen was terrifying. Oh yeah, evil Carmen was terrifying because once you take out Carmen's empathy... She's the most dangerous criminal in the world. <laughs> yeah, no no empathy, the most talented criminal who's ever existed. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. So that's Carmen Sandiego. I don't think we have anything else to say. Um. Oh, I had one last thing, mm -hmm. which was about Carmen's mom. Because I remembered when we started the Carmen's mom subplot, I was like, they're going to do the thing. Where you find out she's, like, someone really important, or, like, someone, another vile agent even more important than Dexter Wolf, or some bullshit, and it's gonna overshadow the rest of the plot, and she wasn't that? She's just uh, some person. And, like, her identity was important to Carmen, but, like, to the plot, it wasn't. No. And it allowed this, like, thing this plot to happen that was important to Carmen 
but because it was so personal and important to Ca Carmen, even the show itself let that kind of be private for her. So, like, even though we found out her name and that she ran the orphanage, we never saw her face. But it came off less as, like, because they didn't want to, but because it was intimate and important to Carmen. Yeah, it doesn't that matter. That this be for her. Like, it doesn't matter who the This story. is a thing. Yeah, this is important to her, and so we're going to let it be for her. She can finally rest from being the show and be Carmen the, the daughter of Carlotta Valdez. Car Car Carmen the person. Yes. As opposed Whatever to... Whatever her name would have been had it not been Carmen Sandiego. Whatever it would have... It would have been something if, Valdez. If she decided... Whatever that name would have been, if she chose to take it, she might continue to be Carmen. Yeah. I mean, if things had been different, it would have been something Wolf. Yeah. Or something or Valdez. something Valdez. Depends. Dexter Wolf was probably a code name. Or like a cover name. Yeah, who knows. We'll never know. Fucking Han Solo looking ass. Hmm. <laughs> I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That man is every rogue that has ever existed. Yeah. But I mean, that was the point, right? Yeah. <sighs> but anyway. That's Carmen San Diego, and that's the show. If you enjoyed the show, wherever you're listening to this, please, give us those five stars. We appreciate it. I crave, crave, crave that sweet, sweet validation. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can find us on Twitter at at Inc. Podcast. That's I-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. At Inc. Podcasts. You can also email us at acmepodcasts at gmail.com. That's acmepodcasts. AcmePodcastInc at gmail.com. AcmePodcastInc at gmail.com. That's AcmePodcastInc at gmail.com. You can also find us on Tumblr at AcmePodcasts.tumblr.com. That's AcmePodcasts.tumblr.com. Um, you know, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Kaiju underscore Emperor. That's K-A-I-J-U underscore e m. P-E-R-O-R. -R. You can also find me on Twitter at Kaiju-Emperor. Spelled the exact same way. KP, where can they find you? Um, I am on Twitter and Tumblr under the same username. That's Kuiper Nebula. K-U-I-P-E-R-N-E-B-U-L-A. Um, and that's pretty much the only place you can find me, actually. Um, Alright. So, we hope to see you next time where the next episode... Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to say, while I'm here, I am planning to move soon, mm. and any help is appreciated. Um, I have a GoFundMe running. Right. Uh, you're not obligated to, obviously, but I have that running. If you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy me on the podcast, I'd very much appreciate the help. Uh, that does remind me, on my Tumblr, that's where you can also find my writing commission information, if you wanted to commission me for anything. With that being said, that's the show. We hope to see you next time where the next episode will be the first episode of Spoopy Month where KP's going to be back and we're going to talk about uh, 
Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost and Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School. We will see you then. Ooh, spooky. We'll see you then. Bye. Yeah.